You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hey, if we go back into quarantine, do you think I actually have to watch Tiger King this time? Nah, I'd say we're well past it. Thank God. It had it had no appeal to me, and I couldn't understand why people... I think it was just the mass hysteria of being inside. I think so, too. And um, I don't know. For me, like, I love big cats, so I was kind of like, I'm not particularly interested in seeing animals be tortured. Like, I know it's not... The, I know that's not the main premise, but I was just kind of like, I don't understand. He has a mustache and he's a crazy man. One good thing about Halloween being canceled this year is that I didn't have to see any Joe Exotic costumes. You know, that is a blessing. I had not considered that. Yeah, I think we we truly got got away with that one, which was great. Dodged a bullet, yeah. if you will. What should we make our new quarantine goals? I feel like we're all just going to go back to baking bread and taking walks. I'm going to try to smash out some more books. I'm going to I'm going to read I'm going to become a reader again. <laughs> That's noble. <laughs> Last quarantine, my goal was to get abs by the end of quarantine. See, your mistake was setting an actual goal. Well, I did work towards it. I just, that just wasn't enough it. time to get abs. <laughs> I was I was always like, hmm, perhaps today I shall bake bread. And then I never did. Hmm. There was a yeast shortage. There was. There's some in our freezer, though. In case you're wondering. Mm, good to know. I um I saw, I think I said this was like a tweet or maybe a TikTok that was like, I could never understand why people said that they worked out uh, for their mental health. And now I'm stuck with my parents quarantining for three months and I'm training for a marathon. Yeah. Maybe I'll train for a, not a marathon. Uh, I can already run a 5K. A half marathon? Yeah, those are things. Yeah. You could uh, really switch it up and train for a triathlon get all of the different sports no ma'am the swimming is what would really get me i love swimming yeah but the idea of swimming a mile i think the idea of swimming a mile in open water terrifying yeah we live next to scary water though i mean Mm -hmm. i guess any open water can be kind of scary i humans are terrified of open water i'm i'm not particularly i I think what what scares me about swimming into open water is that I know I would be exhausted. Whereas like um, when I'm, let's say I'm on a boat. uh, I know that if I fell out of the boat, I could tread water for a while in Mm -hmm. case I needed to. But the idea of like, let's say I'm swimming out a mile for this triathlon and I get sucked up by a rip current, like I'm dead. For me, it's less about the swimming factor, although that is also scary, but it's like, aliens live in the ocean like there is the deep monkey part of my brain even when i'm in a pool that's like sharks oh i don't know i've never gotten that no i think i just spent too much time in the water as a kid like in open water which pure michigan i love i love pools and i love the lakes and i love the ocean but every time there's like the monkey brain is like sharks my uh good friend violet who you know because we lived with her (laughs) i'm expressing this to the audience they've never met violet before uh Mm -hmm. my my best friend violet she is so terrified of water that she cannot watch past the intro of titanic interesting yeah it like i was i was watching it once in the living room just like on my laptop it wasn't like anybody was seeing it she's like what are you watching and i was like oh titanic and she was like i have to go i can't be in here with you and i was like my headphones are in i'm facing like i'm my computer's <laughs> facing the wall yeah the mere the mere thought of, of titanic. titanic yeah wow i've never seen it all the way through i yeah you have never seen it all the way through. And one of my coworkers was like, oh, I've never seen Titanic. And I think the only reason I think that's weird is because I do watch it every year on Christmas with my family for some completely unexplained reason. Maybe that's why I think Christmas is haunted. It's one of those pop culture gaps where like a lot of things that I have not seen, I'm very willing to see because I know that they're good. But Titanic is one of those ones where I'm like, no, you people keep telling me that I need to see it and I have no interest. And now I'm just going to be stubborn. That's an asshole take. I mean, I think the real reason why you don't have to see Titanic is because you know know what happens. There's that too, but I'm I'm just like I and I do think James Cameron is a big fat dum dum, but like it is incredible how well it holds up. He is so. Are they still making the blue movies? (laughs) I I guess I don't know. They're not making any movies right now. That's true. Well, they kind of are. They kind of are. Sometimes I'll see like a celebrity post like a mask pic on set, and I'm like. 
hey, why are you working? I'm not even working right now. Well, a couple of weeks ago, they were filming Chicago Fire on our L stop. And I just saw like a little news article that was like, Chicago Fire needed to stop filming because of multiple positive COVID tests on set. Sounds what about a right. Shock. And then Batman was filming in the loop. But our Bat- pets Batman. had already had COVID at that point. So, so. not news. Yeah. Um, Anyway, you guys are listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where occasionally we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. Uh, but only sometimes. But only sometimes. It's funny. Like, I was thinking about how we are going to record our episode for next week tomorrow, and we won't be able to start with current events because it will be a week outdated. Mm, yeah. That's true. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to think of something else to talk about. I mean, I guess today I did not expect us to talk about our fear of open water, but whatever. We'll see what it what we're inspired by. Yeah. Tomorrow. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um hopefully we'll be as inspired by tomorrow's episode of Teen Wolf, which I do not remember what it is as we are of this one, which is Hands down, my favorite episode of Teen Wolf. I think I may have said that in Motel Cal- about Motel California, but that has never been true. Riddled is phenomenal it is very good motel california is my favorite but this is like a close close second Mm -hmm. um and there's a reason for that because they were written by the same people yeah christian taylor and angela harvey um a fellow christian yeah uh both worked on motel california and riddled and it was directed uh by tim andrew this Uh, episode old reliable thank god yeah i it's funny because like it's not even like I do think that the directing of, of Tim Andrew and Russell Mulcahy is good, mm-hmm. obviously. And there's some stuff where I think it's better than... Some episodes are better than others. But it is just, like, the comparison of the incompetence that comes with some of the, like, guest directors where I'm like, oh, God, where is Russell? <laughs> the consi- consistency is important. Yes. And uh, coming back to form in this episode, blowing the form out of the water... With how incredible it is. It Um, is. And I think a lot of you listening would agree. Yeah, it's funny. I can always, I always know uh, what episodes that we're recording that we're going to get like a bunch of people listening and like talking to us really quickly about Mm -hmm. um, because they're the fan favorites and we're here to talk about the fan favorites. But before we Mm -hmm. can do that, we do have to do our 60 second recap. I'm terrified. This episode is so jam packed. It doesn't feel oversaturated, but a lot of shit happens. It is incredible to me how much they put into this episode, and I never once was like, ugh, is it over yet? Um, no, this episode is kind of a two-for-one special. I'd say it's, like, very distinctly desi- divided into two acts. Yeah, it's like A and B. Yeah. It's very good. Um, okay, are you ready to recap Riddled? I... <laughs> okay, wait. Over, under, do you think I'm getting through half of the episode? Mm, half. Yeah, half. You think I'll get through half? Half. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, on your mark, three, two, one, go. So Scott wakes up to a, from a phone call from Styles, and he's like, doesn't know where he is. And Styles is like, please come find me, but you can't tell my dad. And then Lydia is drawing Aiden in the school, and then she hears like her banshee hallucinations of Styles' voice. And then Styles tells Scott that he's not alone, and uh, Kira shatters a light bulb with her Foxfire. Uh, Scott meets uh, Scott goes to uh, Styles' house with Isaac, and then Lydia's already there, and she's like, I know he's missing. And then Styles is like, my leg is caught in a bear trap. And then sees an Ogitsune draw the symbol for self on the wall, and then. Uh, it, uh, they tell the sheriff that Styles is missing and he deploys the troops and they find his van at the hospital and then they all go to the hospital and they can't find him and then Lydia's like, no, he's at Eichenhaus because she hears it from the strings that she plays on the wall and they go to Eichenhaus, he's not, he's not there and then Ugetsune starts like doing some sort of like venom we shit, like we off venom and then uh, the bear trap switches legs and Styles is like, this is a hallucination and then the sheriff goes to Eichen, he's not there and then Raphael figures out that he's still sleepwalking and they find him in the woods because of the coyote smell thing that Styles talks about and then Styles has to go to the hospital because they think he's got front of t- oh, yeah see i got through the half mm-hmm. the first half of the episode yep i was gonna be like maybe she'll get through a third no half half i got through half. do you want to mm-hmm. just do the second half then uh yeah let's let's I, do that i think we just need to divide and conquer They're on this one very distinct yeah i think i think sometimes it's funny to, to listen to us flounder uh <laughs> i think we do need to get through all of the details of this particular episode yeah okay on your mark get set go Okay, uh, so, um, <laughs> sorry, Styles might be the no gets an eight. Derek um, and Kira are trying to figure out kind of like what happened the night that uh, Barrow uh, took them to the power station. The um, 
then they're at the hospital and Melissa's like, oh, um, Styles might be sick. And the sheriff is like, yeah, I know. Um, I think we need to run some tests. They find the baseball bat and it was magnetized. Um, and that is uh, scary because they think that Kira um, switched the Nugitsune to Styles. Um, Allison and Isaac are um, showing the recording that she got on her phone of someone speaking Japanese to Kira's dad. And he was like, oh, this is something from an internment camp, except that this internment camp doesn't exist. So this recording is fake. Um, then Styles is going through the MRI and um, Scott and Styles are, have like a really beautiful moment. Um, Lydia it has to run away because she can hear the MRI happening and it's really freaking her out. Um, Scott and Derek have like a lovely little moment. They go up to the roof to figure out kind of what Styles was doing. And they um, see that the power is about to go out. Close. So close. I kind of forgot where you had left off. I noticed I like, that when you were start. like, oh, I took five, a five second pause yeah. before you got in. What mm. did we miss? Um, so Styles wakes up. Well, there's a little bit of Nogitsune shenanigans during the MRI. And then um, it is not Styles who comes out of the MRI. It is Void Styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he runs away and puts on his little shoes and runs into Kira's mom. Um, and he's basically like, I'm not afraid of you. And everyone's running around in the hospital because this poor hospital goes through this once a season. Yeah. Um, aren't there yeah. codes that hospitals have to like follow through with from like almost federal certainly. departments? <laughs> almost certainly. Yeah. But that's like how the episode concludes. Um, is. is that we're like, Oh, styles is no longer styles. Weird observation that I'm starting with. That's the hoodie that Styles is wearing with a red stripe. Mm-hmm. The boy I had a crush on in high school owned that hoodie. And I was, oh, every time he'd wear it, I'd be like, that's Styles' hoodie. And you're wearing it. <laughs> Would never say anything, but I always thought it. That just made him more special. It, I'm it sure. It really did. Yeah. This is, um, if you were not already aware that Dylan O'Brien um, is the Teen Wolf King, you are about to find out. And this episode should have really clued you in. Oh my God. He, this truly none of the season would work if it had been placed on any of the other actors. And that's not even really an indictment on them because I think everybody works so well with what they're given. Mm -hmm. But this, like I, I I think I mentioned earlier that this was like a reward for Dylan O'Brien's like abilities. And it's very true. And it's very telling in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, there are just some moments that are like really, really wonderfully captured by him. And we're going to get more into that as we move through our conversation. And today we're talking about this episode through the theme of perception. So clearly not everything in this episode is as it seems, uh, neither to styles, Scott, the, the parents or us, mm-hmm. um, which is why it is so effing scary. I remember watching this episode for the first time and being so incredibly terrified. Oh, it's creepy. You really think he's in the basement. There's absolutely Mm -hmm. no indication that he's not in that basement. It is. mm. No. And also, and like when they go down into the basement and you see the scratching in the, in the basement wall. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What happened? What happened? Also, as soon as you said, um, perception, I just like heard the wizards of Waverly place theme song start playing in my head because Why? everything is not as it seems. Oh, okay. That's funny. So. Cause I was thinking about like Aldous Huxley, like the doors of perception. I'm going to trip peyote and then let you know that you were completely alone in this world. No, I went the Selena Gomez route. Oh, perhaps, you know, the happier way of thinking about things. There's one laugh line in this entire episode. So, so, so. it is not even a line. It's really just sort of a bit moment. Yeah. Oh, it's heavy. Uh, so where should we start? I'm assuming we should leave our styles discussion mm-hmm. for a little bit later so we can really break it open. Um, do you want to start with Lydia? Let's do one. I have missed her so much. Did not realize how much I miss Lydia until this episode because I was like, where has she been? She was not in the last episode at all. And she's been playing kind of a smaller role this season, which is a bummer because mm-hmm. we love her. Her role gets bigger as the season goes on. Yes. And I think we mentioned when we wrapped up the season that we wrapped up last season, we were excited for a bigger Lydia stuff. I don't think I realized that it took until the latter half of the season for her to start mm-hmm. branching out. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with her uh, connection to Styles um, and her figuring out her banshee powers, which um, is clearly very overwhelming for her. Yeah. And this episode, especially, she's realizing that she is now 
finding she has new powers um and what to the outside world would appear as like auditory hallucinations um but this is the first time we're hearing things like actual voices Mm -hmm. um and clues uh in such a direct way um you know i think what lydia now in like terms of perception is she's perceiving sort of like emotional imprints left on things which is why she's able to pick up on like the sounds of the strings being made is like it's almost similar to the chemo signals thing Mm -hmm. with uh, that derek explains like lydia is so open and vulnerable to like the signals the universe is sending her um and it makes her so fragile in this episode because that vulnerability leads her to not being able to like accept that she has her powers aren't leading her in the right way yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, one of the things that um, really struck me about Lydia and her powers in this particular episode is how wonderfully supportive everyone else is being about it. Um, there's one point when they're kind of brushing off her concerns and Aiden is like, you guys know that this is what she feels when someone's going to die. Right. Um, and they're like, they're so encouraging of her and they really believe in her. And after she gets to Eichenhaus and Stiles isn't there, she completely shuts down. And the sheriff, I mean, obviously is so emotionally distraught at that point because we find out later that he's been keeping notes about what's happening to Stiles Mm -hmm. and he is, and now already considering that there could be, I hate to say this, like an end in sight yeah. and any like expediting of that process would be literally like unbearable for him. And so he lashes out at her and it is a moment of like, you know, probably shame for the sheriff because he apologizes immediately and is like very upset with himself that he did that to a teenager. But Lydia is taking so much of the blame Um, Mm -hmm. and she is now in a place where she is perceiving the world on a higher level than she ever has before. And everything hits so directly. She talks about how she can't hear, you know, loud noises. Everything is so over, like she's experiencing sensory overload. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you are that open to like the things that you're perceiving, it really makes it hard to filter out what you need to be listening to. And I think she is so overwhelmed that that is what leads her to her breakdown and why she can't think logically about what she's trying to do when it comes to finding styles, not only because of, you know, the new access to her powers, but also it's like, she has a blind spot for styles. Mm-hmm. She always has. She loves him. And when even Aiden like brings up, he's like, he's like, wow, this kid really likes you. She kind of plays it off. Not in a way of being like, haha, isn't it so funny? She's like defensive. She's like, you know, don't say that because there is an underlying note of, because I feel that too. Mm-hmm. So she really can't think clearly in this episode. And it is really heartbreaking to watch. And I think Holland Roden, I've always said this, that Lydia is one of my favorite characters, but really doesn't get a lot to work with, especially in terms of dialogue. And, you know, she is sort of like a helper bee in terms of a lot of plot lines. But I think that Holland Roden impressed me in this episode. Oh, I would totally agree. Um, and I think it's really interesting because it's a, it's a little bit like a parallel to Scott in his first days of being a werewolf and not being able to control any of it. Um, and she's going through the same thing, but where, you know, Scott had people to help him. He and Derek, who, like, understood what it was like, and he had styles, like, Lydia has no one. Yeah. Um, and because she's not experiencing any sort of, like, physical transformation, it I think it's easy for her to manipulate the way that people perceive her. She... People know that there's something wrong, but she very easily just brushes it off and is like, I didn't hear anything. I just need to go. Um, Because I don't think she wants them to know how much she's struggling with it. I think you're right. Yeah. It is is not only like a a, um, sort of conversation with how she is now perceiving the world. It's also a conversation about how the world is perceiving her. And Lydia has already had to go on through this like, whole little like I'm the town crazy person thing which she's already you know banged up from 
And now to have to like suffer through the guilt she's feeling about not being able to save, not being the one to be able to save styles and also not wanting to like give people misinformation, Mm -hmm. which is why she doesn't tell Scott that she's hearing anything because I think she's so unsure of her abilities at that point. She just can't risk, um, risk saying something that could potentially, you know, put somebody in danger or like make it make that. So they are unable to solve something like she had earlier in the episode. Yeah. Um, and I, what you said about her having a, a blind spot for styles that really manifests in just like the last bit of the episode when she's in her car and all she can hear is the MRI Mm -hmm. because she's there with him. Yeah. Which is, really heavy. I do also want to say like, I do think a part of that is because when void styles takes over, she is experiencing like the death of Mm -hmm. styles proper. And like, that is how she's able to key into it. Is that like, there is a death happening in that moment. And for, we know just what it feels like later with Allison, what it feels like for Lydia to experience the death of friends. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, it, it's, it's so well done with the silent scream. Oh, it's beautiful. And the thing that makes Teen Wolf special is it is, yes, about supernatural teenagers, but everything is so, so rooted in the real world. Um, like the moment when Lydia is in her car and she's turning up the music so that she drowns out her own thoughts. Every single person has done that. Yeah. It's so you're not, you don't just need to be a banshee. It, you it's know what that's it's like. not even necessarily like it's grounded in the real world. It's that the stakes are appropriate for the situation. Mm-hmm. Like I think when we talk about stuff like Riverdale, the stakes are never as high as they should be. Or she's like, I got mauled by a bear. He's got like three scratches. Uh, I I have only ever seen that scene on Twitter of people just being like mauled by a bear. It is um, incredibly funny because in the prior episode, you like see him stumble into the cabin post bear attack and he looks like his entrails are about to fall out of his stomach. And then you're like, oh, I guess he was fine. Okay. I guess he was just being dramatic. Whatever. Don't, don't justify Riverdale <laughs> to me. Stop explaining it to me. I just want to make fun of the things I see on Twitter. I... Ah, uh, why? Anyway, so bad. Um, but yes, the stakes. Every, all of the stakes of Teen Wolf are appropriate to the situation. Everything mm-hmm. is life and death, as it is because people are dying. Yeah, um, it's twenty degrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. When they're like, it's it's <laughs> the coldest night of the year. It's gonna drop into the twenties. Uh, yes, you totally. That can totally kill you. Um, but. It's like 20 degrees in our apartment right now. <laughs> there, there was a day last winter when I like went to go uh, pick up a piece of furniture and it was literally like negative 30, 30 and I yeah. had to stand in the shower for like 20 full minutes just to get feeling back in Dude, my And legs. last winter was mild. Mm-hmm. The winter previous when we had that really bad polar vortex where it was like negative 50 wind chill. You're like, hmm, guess I'll just die. Yeah, truly. <laughs> um... But yeah, I don't, I don't want to be flip about 20 degrees. 20 degrees is very cold. But it's the fact that they like say it multiple times. They should just say it's the coldest night of the year and just let us pick a temperature. (laughs) Let let the Midwesterners decide what cold is. Leave it to our imaginations. Yeah. The less you give us, the better. Yeah. Um, so should we move into talking about Scott a little bit? Mm hmm. Scott is, oh my gosh. I, oh, where do I start? In terms of theme, in terms of perception, Scott really, I think he has so much faith in Styles that he allows himself to be deceived by the Nogetsune when he gets that phone call. He is so sure that that is what's happening. And everybody is so sure that that's what's happening because Scott is so sure um, that it takes somebody who really doesn't have very much investment in Styles to figure it out that mm-hmm. he's not in that basement um with Raphael obviously later and so Scott is so um captivated by like his fear for his friend that he can't actually think through things like logically he's being deceived um and he like Lydia is going through sort of big 
like guilt complex where he's like, I should have been the one to be able to do this. Like I shouldn't have had to have called his dad. And although it's funny because if he didn't call his dad, like Raphael who figured it out, wouldn't have found out. Um, and it's really messing with his perception of his relationship with the world that he's in right now. Um, and Scott at this point doesn't know that people are theorizing that styles is, no, the no, no gets in a like obviously Styles has told him about like the closet and the numbers, but I don't think he's letting himself think that hard. He really cannot push his brain into that space until Derek is like, you need to start thinking about this and you know using your powers and like examining the situation because you like Lydia have Styles blinders on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Scott's. The way that Scott perceives himself, even if he wouldn't um, necessarily say this, um, although it is it is brought out very explicitly in the episode, like he sees pe- he sees himself as a protector. He sees himself as the one. He who, has a savior complex, uh huh. Mm-hmm, he can he can save everybody, and the fact that he cannot save Styles um, is really weighing on him and making him feel like, oh, you know, there must be something wrong with me that I can't fix this which is really hard to watch him go through. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, to find out that people are thinking that perhaps Styles has frontotemporal dementia, um, that just tilts Scott's axis. Like, his whole world shifts mm-hmm. with that possibility because what if Styles is no longer around? Yeah. He has no... I, I don't think that Scott knows how to see or perceive the world without Styles. Yeah. Which, again, is part of the reason why he's so easily deceived by the no Gitsune. Um And then after hearing that there could be a world without Styles is... Offers... Makes an offer that he would never have a reason to make otherwise. Mm-mm. Him telling Styles like, if this is it, I'm going to bite you. It is... It, and it's clear. Styles doesn't have a choice. And in, Scott's like, I'm going to fucking save your ass. But in literally any other circumstance, Styles doesn't want to be a werewolf. No. Nope. That's why their dynamic works. And, and this whole, this whole season is about Styles reclaiming his humanity very specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and having Scott and Styles, like from a dramatic, like a narrative standpoint, it, it really wouldn't work. Um, but also from, like Styles doesn't want to have to go through that. If Styles was a werewolf, I'd stop watching. Truly, it's like the two things that could happen to make me be like, no vampires. Styles is a werewolf. <laughs> no vampires. No vampires. I love a vampire. Mm-hmm. It's not in this. Yeah. Um. And I and like he is, you know, because of this, because he's been had his perception of of, of the situation been so warped, he is now uh, outsourcing. For information. You know, we see him texting Deaton. Deaton isn't in the episode. I kind of wish he was, weirdly, just for info purposes, mm-hmm. for, like, exposition. Um, <laughs> and he's all of a sudden, like, asking Derek again for help. And Derek is, like, now um, wiser, older, has talked to his mom recently. And is like, I think that we need to be working together again. And I think that this is a really big awakening for Scott that he actually can't do everything on his own. I wish so much that there had been crumbs of that Derek interaction sprinkled throughout the last couple of episodes because because everything with Derek in terms of pacing the season has been so mishandled. It's so weird and this whole like I'm about to help like I'm I'm back to helping Scott I'm back to being Scott's big brother it seems like such an about face from where we were before and like, yeah, he was there in the last episode and he was like, I'm, I'm going to keep Scott safe. And we all know, we all know that Derek loves Scott, but this commitment to helping him is very new. And I just, oh, I wish it had been handled better. Properly executed. Uh-huh. Yeah. We can only ask so much from the Team Wolf writers. Like, if we're begging for scraps, this episode is a full meal. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. cool. Can't complain too much. No. Uh, we should talk about Derek and Kira a little bit. Um... Derek opens our minds, eyes, noses to a whole new way of perceiving the world. Um, chemo signals. These exist in human life. (laughs) 
Really? It's called Vibes? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's called the, the Aura. Um, it's called that you can tell when somebody's... It, yeah, it's called It Smells Really Bad When You Take the SAT because everyone's really stressed. Yes. I took the ACT, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of forget that Derek like grew up in a werewolf family. He didn't have to go to werewolf school. He was just raised in it. Yeah. So he has... So much information. It's really like learning a language. Mm-hmm. If you are socialized to be bilingual, you don't, you have all of these skills that people who are learning in school do not have. Mm-hmm. And it's often skills that you don't think about people learning in school, not having because you were socialized to learn them. Um, which is why like French children have a better grip on grammar than I ever will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's similar for what we're seeing in Derek is that I don't think Derek has ever had to consider that. Oh, that Scott just like, wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, that Scott would just have like figured it out by himself. No, I, I just guess. don't think he ever considered the fact that he might have to teach anybody that. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, you know, he would get so frustrated early on about people not figuring shit out because it became, came so naturally to him. And I think now he's had his ways changed. He, too, perceives the world differently. I would have loved to have seen the car ride back to South America with Cora and all the conversations. Mm. Why South America? Why is Cora there? They have family there? I guess. I mean, she had to run away from the woman who was trying to murder her. I guess Boston wasn't an option. Like, I, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> now I'm just picturing like the, where the Hales have their money. They're like obscenely rich and like from Brazil or something. Hmm. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I like it very much. Um, yeah. Derek is Derek brought us back to werewolf school. He opened our eyes. He did. And also opened Kira's eyes. Yeah, he does a lot of exposition in this episode. He is a good facilitator of mm-hmm. things to happen later. And I think Kira is, Kira's mom is obviously picking up on the fact that Kira's powers are like developing, I guess, or, you know, exposing mm-hmm. themselves. And Derek does more to help Kira process that than her mom does, which is really weird for, a, you know, a man in his 20s with absolutely no emotional <laughs> intelligence. Um, it's his gift. Yeah. But he takes her to the power station and then is the one to be like, this is how you facilitated in Styles becoming the no get uh, not in a way that he's blaming her, but just in the sort of like, just so you know how this happens. And then later is like, you can stay in the car while I tell them, because that's real. I'm sorry that that you feel that about that, you know? Yeah. Um. I actually found that extremely confusing. This is not like about the. Oh, about the actual way it happens. I have no fucking clue because I don't remember Styles being zapped with electricity at any point. At any point, and also the implication is that that's when it happened. But if we're assuming that Styles was the one who wrote the numbers on the board and we know he did then he was already the new Gitsune. it's not like it jumped into him at the power station so that's just like a plot oversight that's yeah really frustrating <laughs> um when everything else is so good uh yeah because it just doesn't make any goddamn it's sense. the aliens at the end of the last uh, the second season of american horror story it ruined everything <laughs> it would be the best season of television ever if it weren't for the goddamn aliens if you just skip the final episode you're like wow wow phenomenal incredible. Um, that is how I feel about the particular power station thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he, I, 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 he's helping Kira. Um, and I think it's good for her to see him perceiving her in a really positive light, not like in in a negative way, but being like, you have this incredible power, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not mad at you about it. Like, it's just a fact. We're going to move forward. Yeah. Well, I, I think it must be very affirming for him to just be like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm a werewolf, you're a kitsune, that, like, life is weird, right? Duh. Like, I think, especially because the twins had their whole thing where they're like, what if it's her? And Scott doesn't know anything about kitsune, so he can't really be like... No, it's not. No. Yeah. yeah. And also, everyone else is pretty preoccupied. for. So for Derek to just show up and treat her normally is like... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. you guys are dum-dums. I do not know how he is not banned from the high school, though. He just shows <laughs> he just up. shows up. Oh, 
My God. They would, they, Derek should enter and there should be a full-blown lockdown drill, although we know that they don't do lockdowns in Beacon Hills for no. whatever reason. <sighs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. They, they do not follow rules at all in Beacon Hills, not just at the high school, um, but at the hospital most especially. Um, and at the hospital, I think, is where Derek does his other bit of work of perception with Scott because they go up to the roof and they realize that Styles has been up there and that in theory, I don't know if they've like walked this out yet, but Styles um, shorted power mm-hmm. to the hospital. Um, and if Scott was not previously thinking that maybe Styles is the Nugitsune, that is probably the turning point for him. And I also think that this is, again, so strange for him being so emotionally unintelligent. Derek sort of offering proof before his theory, very important. Because if he was like, Styles is an Ogitsune, Scott would be like, I'm going to prove you wrong. But because he lets Scott figure it out on his own, that is really important, especially to the way that Scott is now going to be seeing the situation moving forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's really quickly touch on the Sheriff Melissa and Raphael really quickly before we move into our Styles discussion. Lyndon Ashby... Ugh is not a Teen Wolf King, but mayhaps like a Teen Wolf like prime minister. <laughs> a treasure, if you will. Yeah. Um, a little jewel in the box. Yeah. Uh, his whole bit with Melissa... Um, when they compare their notes. Is heartbreaking. Um, and the fact... like I think that that's really uh, a smart move on the writer's part, not to have him be like what are you talking about? But him being like, yeah, I think we need to run some tests. Cause I think that makes it so much more devastating that he was like walking around with that knowledge for the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and like watching his son, like the idea that he's going to have to watch his kid go through what his wife went through. Oh, Oh, um, and Melissa, you know, being the one who has to deliver that news, I'm sure feels like such an insane amount of relief that he was already thinking that. And she wasn't the, she's not the one who told him. He already knew. Well, and I also think that her presenting him with the notes had similar effect of being like, I see it too. Like just affirming that feeling. Um, and also in a way of being like, I'm watching out for him as well. Like I'll be there for you if this is how, what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is no like s- secret uh, that most people will say that the hardest thing that can ever happen to you is losing a child. Yeah. Um, and to have to do it slowly and in that way is so effing devastating, especially because he already knows exactly what's going to happen to him if that's what it is. And this is shaking his entire worldview uh, to the point of him being erratic, obviously, when he yells at Lydia. And when our first scene of him is like sort of a, um, a shot looking upward at him, it's like sort of a close up, but as he's gripping a table and shaking guess he's thinking about what they have to do to find him and what's going to happen when they do, because then they have to start like opening themselves up to the possibility that this is what's happening to styles. Um, which is interesting, but it also is a serious demonstration of just how too close sheriff, the sheriff and Melissa are to styles to see the bigger picture, which is actually where Raphael comes in. Yeah. He saves the day. Yeah. And he doesn't know shit fuck about Styles or his own kid. So he's able to just sort of do his job as like an investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, drawing on some gross personal experience. The Coyote Den. Yeah. Um, love that we, I, I do appreciate that we like brought it back to the Coyote Den because mm-hmm. um, we are going to introduce Malia eventually and we need that little reminder. Um, he's incredibly helpful. And then the sheriff like, thanks him they hug they they don't hug they they, they shake hands they quote unquote hug it out like they, yeah they're they're good mm-hmm. um their beef is not totally resolved but somewhat forgiven yeah i just i just want to touch on them to just sort of show that how beneficial it can be to have a character who has not been around for the la- like the last couple of seasons to mm-hmm. have eyes on the on the plot um that scene when they pull him out of the coyote den and he's just screaming is so affecting which I think it's time to move into our styles discussion. It is 
<laughs> remarkable how good Dylan O'Brien is in this episode, especially because a lot of the episode he's playing off of nobody, which was something we mentioned in Motel California, mm-hmm. uh, which he didn't really get the chance to do. And we saw it in really small bits, like a little bit from uh, Daniel Sharman and a little bit from Cinco Walls and a little bit from a Carver, Dahmer, Rich One, and a little bit from uh, Tyler Posey. Yeah. To have that be the primary part of this episode, it is so well done and the like the sort of like the body horror the way that it is lit the fact that it's in a basement it is it operates so well within the horror conceit oh gosh it's so great and it really is the it is so much worse thinking that that environment is something that was made up in styles's mind that he is possible of creating a universe that terrifying uh, within himself um and yeah, just like I, it's funny as I, I, I think that this would have been fun for Dylan O'Brien to play. I imagine it was also very exhausting because mm-hmm. obviously as an actor, you'll get off stage and doing something. You'll be like, oh, I got to go to bed for the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts? I um, remember watching this for the first time and like I loved Teen Wolf, um, but I wasn't totally clear on like the real obsession with it until you get to this arc and you get to the season, you get to this episode in particular because it's shocking. And we've talked a lot before about how effectively they do horror on the show and how effectively they do body horror. And this is just like elevated in such a way that um, I'm not going to call it prestige because it's not prestige television, but it is, it is prestige teen television. It, yes. Um, and and you can tell that we have like fully made a shift mm-hmm. in how the rest of the season is gonna go and what can and what we can expect. Um, and like I just remember the shock of uh when the bear trap switches feet. Yeah. And that's like really the first time that you start thinking, oh shit, like this, this is all in Styles' head. Yeah. Um, like absolutely insane because from the very beginning of the season, like you don't know what's real and they kind of like let that go for the last couple of episodes. We've gotten so comfortable with Styles no longer hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Um, that now it is such a big shock and they really gave us like such a, like a lulling sense of like security and for this to be set up, like, it, it, it is set up in, like, such a, a, a classic Teen Wolf setup of, like, they're captured, and we don't know how we're going to get to them, but Scott's going to save the day. And the fact that all of that is completely voided, if you will, <laughs> is such an excellent turn of the structure that is so, like, formally used within the show. Um, and just, like, a, a great execution of... of our own they're using our own expectations against us Mm -hmm. um which i didn't know they could do that there are no real jump scares in this episode it's like slow realizations that like horrify you a slow burn horror is always better than a jump scare it's so good and one of the things about um, the fact that Styles is like in the basement in his mind and like lydia brings them to the basement of eichenhaus i remember being so fucking confused because the basement of Eichenhaus looks exactly like where Styles just were. It's the same basement and he's not there. Yeah. Um, I thought that was such a clever twist and saying it out loud, it seems like, well, duh. Um, but it's very clever. Mm -hmm. And I think Teen Wolf, um, being a teen show does not always have to rely on being clever. And the fact that, um, that's, like a main thing in this season is very cool to me. Um, I agree. (laughs) I, I think it's overwhelming how, how good this episode is and how phenomenal Dylan O'Brien's performance is. And not just in the fact that he is like hallucinating the Nogitsune, Mm -hmm. but then to wake up and confront the concept that he might also have dementia and be dying like his mother did. Yeah. The, it is so heavy. The layers. It's so good. And yeah, I mean, like that, it is It is sort of like an, uh, a, a dream within a dream within a dream kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where like, 
he has been worried this whole time that the thing that's wrong with him is that was you know the open door in his mind the dunk tank from last season and then finally he feels like he's recovering from it and to go through this again thinking I never shut the door hence the when is a door not a door and to wake up and be like oh I'm actually just dying I mean in terms of perception that's a lot to unpack yeah clearly like he can't trust anything and we saw that obviously in the first two episodes, as we said, like we got lulled sort of into a sense of security. He can't trust anything that's going on. And then for him to have the final like confrontation with Nogitsune, um, who, like I said earlier, has been doing the sort of like Venom we thing mm-hmm. um, and realizing what that means is incredibly painful. Um, and for him to wake up as Void Styles is really sad because you never want anything bad to happen to styles what's i mean it's like you said earlier on about the fact that lydia is experiencing that at least somewhat as a, a death and um it, it's very sad i will say uh the first time that i saw this and it's like the reveal that mm-hmm. it is void styles i gasped <laughs> i gasped i was so taken aback um and he pulls it off so well. The physicality, we were talking about this before. Yeah. Oh, the fa- like the the distinction in like physical um like negotiation of space and just the way that he like occupies his own body when he is styles and versus void styles is incredible. Um it is such a clear difference. I mentioned earlier that it kind of reminded me of like the Winter Soldier is like very distinctly moves other than Bucky Barnes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, like Dylan O'Brien, good job. And I almost, I'm sitting here being like, do I just think he's that good because it's like a game of comparison to everybody else on this MTV show? No, I, I think it says something that we are this blown away by his performance because if it were any other actor on the show, it wouldn't work. No. And I'm trying to think of like other actors of his age wouldn't want to watch most of them do this you don't want to watch Timothy Chalamet <laughs> <laughs> no I don't I really don't no shame Timmy it's just not for you I was gonna say that and then I was like should I yeah, no no, <laughs> no we'll tr- oh we're gonna like I don't think that Oscar nominee Timmy Chalamet <laughs> is gonna be too pissed that two idiots with a Teen Wolf podcast made fun of him no I just like I just don't want to see it and no I do not oh no <laughs> Ooh. Mostly because if Timmy Chalamet was doing this, I wouldn't perceive him as a, as like a Styles S high schooler. I'd be like that Victorian twelve year old, a, a ghost, a ghost. As yeah. a matter of fact, maybe that would make it scarier. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, oh my god! Have you ever seen that tweet that's like Timmy Chalamet looks like if somebody made a pointy Italian shoe a real boy? <laughs> Yes, I have. It's yeah. very funny. Oh, yeah. No, people just, listening to this episode have been like, wow, this has been a really heavy episode, but don't worry, we're still stupid. Well, there's there's even a moment, like, in the MRI when uh, the doctor's like, don't move. And the so- one bit of levity in this episode is styled because not being allowed to move in the MRI. That's so dark. It's really dark. And, and usually I'm like, Oh wow, that was dour. But it it felt very appropriate um, for there not to be any like levity or naky or werewolfy. There is like a little bit of naky at the beginning, but that was before the episode gets serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have anything else to say about uh, Styles? Um, not about Styles in particular, but I d- whoever is playing the new Gitsune, I think just doing um a good job and the I think it is Dylan O'Brien in the costume but it's obviously a different voice actor Mm -hmm. interesting I'm not I I would love to know does anybody know I mean we could have easily looked that up before we started and then didn't no I looked up the actor and I don't I don't recognize I don't remember their name but um the character design of not being able to see his eyes and all you see are his like silver teeth um which is this really, is a big part of my observation, and we'll get there when we go to Hughes and O's. Oh, it just really reminded me of uh, one of the villains in um, 
the James Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. His name is Jaws, and he has um, metal teeth, and he's very scary. He's, like, seven feet tall. Um, but, yeah, it's terrifying. I think the teeth also gave me Venom vibes. A little. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? We are um, Venom. It's so, it's so good. And the craziest thing about this particular episode and about this performance is that it is only the beginning. Yeah. We're not, this is the halfway point of the season. Mm-hmm. We've Crazy. Plenty more void styles. Yeah. To get. And we've only, we've heard him, him speak like two lines. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. just thinking about all those videos from set of like Dylan O'Brien, like being void styles on set, but not in like a bad, stupid method actor way of him, like being an asshole to people in like a comedy way. Mm-hmm. Oh, brilliant. Bring back that Dean Wolf. Brilliant. Like, brilliant. Um, do you want to move into cues and O's? Let's, let's do it. I have no questions. Um, uh, my question, we already discussed about the no get to transfer. It doesn't make any sense, thing. but I'm willing to forgive that for the rest of this episode. No. Um, yeah. What are, I don't have any questions either. Most of mine are, um, indignant observations. What are you, some of yours? Uh, my observations. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to talk about like set design a little bit. The scissors being stabbed into his bed with all of the red string around his, like all the red yarn around his bedroom. Terrifying. So scary. The, like, just the, like, the idea of being stabbed with scissors is like inherently terrifying because scissors do not stab because they're blunt on the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I oh. think that's, it's such a common horror trope and it really just like sends shivers down your spine. Yeah. To see that. Um, and like the violence of having shoved it into the mattress and like tying all of those threads to connect to all over the room. Um, it kind, it kind of reminded me of us a little bit, even though this obviously came out way before that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, the place that like scissors occupy in the Amer- in the horror imagination. Yeah. Very also powerful. the Wes Anderson cinematic <laughs> universe. Yeah. Very powerful. Um, yeah, and like the sort of no, like and we we talk about like tethers, mm-hmm. like how like Lydia is his tether, and like think people are co- always connected to each other in this way, and to see that sort of sp- spread out with the yarn connecting everything, all going back to him, like in his place uh, on his bed, mm-hmm. is very evocative. Yeah. Um, Kudos. Also, I think the basement was. Like the the way that the basement is done so that in Styles' mind is empty and then in Eichenhaus is just like a basement full of junk garbage, mm-hmm. yeah, is such an interesting thing that it is like a space that is void. Mm-hmm. Again, ha 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 in his brain. Um, but that it is sort of mundane in the real world is also very interesting to me. Well, it's the same thing in the MRI, like when he has the um, confrontation with the Nogitsune, like the MRI is glowing and there's no one else there. It's just them. Um, and it feels, it feels like an alien ship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Other observation. Cause I feel like we didn't touch on it enough. Mm-hmm. The moment between Scott and Styles, the physical repartee they have with each other is so earnest. And obviously, obviously like Dylan O'Brien and Tyler Posey were like, famed friends like Buds, everybody yeah. knew that they really get along um that scene is so good and the fact that like they're having that moment and that their parents are watching through the like the, the glass because they are they are processing what they might find out on the mri but then also having to watch their children do it like and so much you would want to save them from that information everything about that scene is so good the like through the window tactic is one of my favorite things to see when it's done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that moment with the parents, but like the, the tension in their arms when they're hugging each other, the fact that it goes on that for hug a long is time. so good because, okay. The one of the most brilliant parts about the show that we've talked about is how well orchestrated their friendship is in the writing. Mm-hmm. It is, there's absolutely no, no homo. There's no, like, weird jealousy things that go on, especially, like, amongst them, their relationships with the girls. Like, I think there's that one thing in, like, the season, whatever, when Lydia kisses Scott. We never see any of those other things, like, hinder them. 
so that when there is actual conflict between them, it is like something that they need to face together. Another reason as to why season five didn't work. Um, it is so powerful because we, we already know that they are people who do not get caught up in like petty friendship problems. They love each other so, so deeply. I don't love anything as much as Scott and Styles love each other. Well, and I know that we, we already kind of talked about this, but the fact that um, Scott is willing to change him, despite, it's not even just that Styles doesn't want to be a werewolf, but Scott is very aware of that. Mm-hmm. He knows. And the fact that he would, um, the fact that he would do that, potentially risking their friendship because he knows that Styles doesn't want it, um, and the fact that he says that so forcefully, like mm-hmm. Scott would die for styles. Yeah. He says, I'll do something. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like, it's, mm-hmm. there's no, this there's, is not a discussion. I'm going to do something. Yeah. yeah. It, they, um, in my notes, I just wrote, it's the Scott and styles of it all. Mm-hmm. Like they, do, the, the show doesn't work without them. Yes. And other characters, I love when we bring in other characters. I love when, um, the cast is augmented with, you know, really wonderful people, but, if they don't work, the show doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the season so good. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Um, okay, my final thing was just about the design of the Nogetsune. 1940s military dress on a mummy with silver teeth is galaxy brain shit. <laughs> I would love to know what the conversation was around that. Um, like obviously they needed to signify that he is evil. So I guess the teeth was like the way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but like the dirty bandage wrapping and it's not just like on his face, but it's on his hands. Um, Oh, it's disgusting. And he's hunched over. It's just, it's really good. It's gross. Yeah. It's nasty. Who came up with that? And we'll talk more about like the sort of like, World War II-ness of it all. Yeah. And like, obviously we have major critiques of, I mean, yeah, we'll get there. There's just, I mean, it's not handled the best way it could have been handled, but the fact that there's even an episode about Japanese, Japanese internment at all is insane. But wow, was it like a total miss? Like, they, ooh, that ball dropped. It's it's like, I, I would love to to congratulate you, but, but I just, I just can't. cannot do that. But we'll get more into that later. I just love the design of, of the nuggets. And I do you have mm-hmm. any observations? Um, yeah, I have a, a couple. Um, we were talking before about Aiden, um, kind of like poking Lydia and being like, well, he really likes you. And the reason he does that is he picks up a framed drawing of the nematon that she did from last season. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just so freaking touching. And it's not like it was cute when Styles had bought all these presents for her for her birthday. But the fact that he like saved one of those drawings and went and found a frame for it and put it on his desk, like he loves her. And also just that his feelings for her have matured. Yeah. He's so, he's just not in her face about it mm-hmm. um, anymore, but he keeps the tree. But even just something that simple is also like exactly why you don't want this to be happening to Styles in particular. <laughs> He's so good. Yes. He's so pure. Um, let's see. Hmm. Um, okay. I know we gripe about this all the time and I've suspended my disbelief. Just do it. Why are they in the testing room? Why are they in the testing room? You wait. You wait outside. Yeah. And the doctor comes to get you. The fact that the doctor is like reading results off of this, like telling them what he's yeah, saying yeah. while it's happening, that just seems like malpractice like you should not be doing that yeah um so no it bothers me so much like i know melissa's a nurse and i know that he's the sheriff but like there are rules uh i actually feel like her being a nurse and him being a sheriff makes it like she if she was the nurse who prepped him for the mri she's allowed to be in there um but she's not is she in her scrubs it doesn't look yeah she's in her scrubs okay um no it really bothers me at the at the end of the at the end when she goes to get Raphael, she's like i just finished my shift and then she goes back like she doesn't go Mm. home and change or anything yeah. Um, bugged me. There are no, there are no rules at Beacon Hills Memorial. Um, I really, I really loved that we got some more of Derek mm-hmm. because he can, he could play an important role and they just don't let him. Yeah. You know what I loved speaking of Melissa, hmm. uh, is that we had that moment with them sort of like reflecting on their marriage in the car Oh, because 
I, obviously their divorce is not entirely amicable. Scott does not have his dad in his life, but I do kind of love when you can sort of lightly acknowledge like the, what you went through in a relationship with somebody in television. Cause I think it's, it's usually either like some sort of weird sappy. I still love you. Or like a, we never even talk anymore type of deal. And to have that moment be so like honest and like real life mm-hmm. is important to me. Yeah. And um, I hate to give credit to Raphael, but he, I, I feel like he's trying. Yeah. Um, I and, like that actor. I don't know his name though. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, it's also like very interesting and weird to be like, she's like, oh, I'm Melissa McCall. I'm looking for agent McCall. And you're like, oh shit. Like yeah. the whole name thing. Oh, this is the first, um, unless I'm mistaken, the first appearance of Parrish. Oh yeah. I don't like him. Worth noting. Yeah. He does play a part in the next few se- four he's in season four yeah yeah um he's there i was i was surprised i forgot that he, this was like his no he period. is season four because that's when the deadpool happens and he's like mm-hmm. stealing the bodies do you think ryan kelly just walked on set and they were like oh you're pretty we'll keep you well i think maybe they had an idea for it and then when he was cast they're like oh we should bring that dude back a good choice he is like the teen wolf um like pretty boy man type ish his face is Far too chiseled. Like it, it don't even find it. It's funny. It's actually too boyish for his like frame. I don't know what it is. He looks very young. Um, um, okay. Anyway, sorry. Do you have any more observations? <laughs> uh, this is our first appearance. This is the first time we're seeing Eichenhouse, like actually seeing it. Yeah. Um, we kind of hear about Barrow. I, I really wish. Wolf doesn't know how mental hospitals work. Well, I really wish that they did. I also wish that we had gotten just like a little bit more background on Barrow because um, I like that episode and I think it's really good, but it still feels very out of place mm-hmm. in terms of the rest of what's going on, even despite all the exposition that happens in it. Yeah. Um, I still wanted more information. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like we talked about so much of what I was observing. Yeah. Um, and I also was just taking furious plot notes because so many, so many things happen. <laughs> My last observation was about like Lydia's silent scream, but I was also like, Oh, Mr. Yukamira is trilingual. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> cool. They don't go to Kira's mom who we know is Japanese for the transfer- translation. They go to her dad who is Korean and they're like, can you figure this out? And he's like, step back. Yes, I can. Say no more. Uh, well of the two, one is a teacher and also far more approachable. Oh yeah. Mom, she, she has a scary mom. Yeah. Also, I do not, I fully do not understand why she wouldn't just say something to Kira. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, and then she sends her to live with skinwalkers. Like she might just be a shitty mom and we're going to have to deal with it. It's all, it's all going to happen here on the rewolf. Here on the rewolf. Uh, pack stats. Pack stats. Minimal. Yeah, no eyes, good, no appropriate. It would have been too weird if there were so many. Um, shirt off. You reminded me of one shirt off that I... Oh, Aiden takes a shirt off when they're doing their little figure drawing, which was like a nice little moment. The fact that there's no fighting in this entire episode. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then there are some shirtless boys in the locker room. They don't count. Which, whatever. Um... Despite this being an incredibly serious episode, they still managed to squeak in not one, but two Toyota spots. <laughs> when did Teen Wolf stop buying American? Mm, um, well, there was also a Nike, little Nike, because Styles puts his foot down as the Nugitsune, and you get the little swoosh mm-hmm. very prominently. Um, and I heard one siren while we were watching the episode. I don't think there was any during the episode. None so far. Interesting. Do you have an alpha of the week? I want to say my alpha of the week is Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. Honorary <laughs> alpha like, of the week goes to Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I feel like it has to be Raphael. Cause he finds styles. I know. Can I give it to Derek? Also appropriate. I'm going to, um, I just feel like I'm, I'm trying to give credit where Melissa, credit is due. I'm giving it to Melissa. We did say in the last episode that it was fine that Raphael got stabbed. stabbed. So, <laughs> so, okay, yeah, we'll give it to him. This, because, like, this, because this is such an atypical episode in terms of structure, like, it's a little harder to pick an alpha. There were no winners. 
No. We all lost in this episode in the good way. It made it was like, wow, I'm sad in the good way the whole time. When it's like nobody really saved the day, they just saved the day until tomorrow, tomorrow. which is another yeah. day where people are gonna die. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I think that about wraps it up. This has been kind of a long episode of the Rewolf. Uh appropriate we given have a lot to talk about we had so much to talk about and i bet that everybody else is like yes riddled riddled oh. so uh, we'll let the people decide if it was too long i'm gonna get a dm <laughs> be like it was <laughs> anyway um if you guys enjoyed this episode we hope that you please follow us on twitter at teen wolf underscore rewolf which is also our instagram handle you can join our facebook group teen wolf rewolf podcast um you can also follow us on tumblr teen wolf rewolf uh, if you guys would feel so inclined to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be massively helpful as we can reach out to more people who like Teen Wolf as much as we do. Um, and if you leave us one, then we'll read it out and give you a shout out on Twitter. Um, we will be back next week. Um, and then there might be a hiatus. Possibly. A possible hiatus. I want to be a little open with you guys. I'm transparent about... We are currently living in a state with a very up in the air um, COVID situation, COVID situation, which means that we might end up back in Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. which would disrupt the podcast. But if all goes well, we will be back next week. I mean, we'll be back next week anyway because mm-hmm. of, we're recording early because of the holiday. Um, but just in cases, um, yeah. we would love to continue doing this. It's just that, you know, maybe there'll be a mandatory stay at home order. Yeah. We're not sure. We don't know. Um, on that really positive note, after this really positive episode, my name has been Christian. My name has been Christian. I'm changing it. I'm keeping that in. I could totally edit it out. No. My name has been and will be Christian. Uh, and my name remains Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo!